This podcast is sponsored in part by Benjamin Hart. That's me! And yours truly, Zach Arnold. And by participation from listeners like you. So let's tune in to another episode of IPC. 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 The Intergalactic Peace Coalition Podcast. All the galaxies. All for you. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the November edition of the Intergalactic Peace Coalition podcast, broadcasting on Zach the Voice Mixler page. Episode 367 coming to your earlobes on this edition, and it is a whopper in more ways than one. A lot of big, big implications being made in the Marvel Cinematic Universe that we get to touch on and speculate on a little bit. We get to pay tribute to a dear friend, and we get to talk about one of our favorite holidays of the year, all that and so much more. But I'm not going to do it alone. I'm going to do it with the guy who handed my ass to me not about a half hour ago. He beat me in trivia by a score of 18 to 7, and yes, it was not that close. I humbly bow to Ben Hart, the Star Wars guy. I feel the need to apologize right off the top. Um, I just couldn't help myself. Um, also, those questions were rigged. I'm sorry. They were rigged. You got <laughs> shafted. It's not my fault, okay? I don't like this. I don't like us turning us against each other. It's just not fair. And, yeah, I got some easy questions. You got some very, very hard questions. Um, so, um, yeah, but it was a lot of fun. Thanks to Star Wars Wastelands for having us. And, uh, yeah. A lot of fun doing some trivia again. It's Win or lose, trivia is always a blast. Well, I mean, I learned something. I learned that The Phantom Menace was made on a $50 million budget. So did I. We both got that we, question we, wrong. We so. both learned that one tonight. So that was that was actually a, a true fun fact. I did not know that. That was pretty cool. So there, 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 were, there were tidbits. But as soon as I heard them ask me what KOTOR book... I was like, oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> like, <laughs> I haven't read a Star Wars book in years, and I never played KOTOR. I have very specific opinions about KOTOR that I will not go into tonight. But as soon as I heard that as the opening of the question, I was like, I'm done. This is it. Stick a fork in me. It's over. And then and then you get asked which movie ends in space, and I'm sitting there biting my tongue going, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? <laughs> so the wheel was not kind to me, but that's nothing new because the wheels at the casino were not very kind to me either. So it is what it is. Um, but Tony is in the house tonight. Shout out to Tony. Steven Yay. hopped over from YouTube. So we've got a couple of active folks in the live chat tonight, which is always really, really fun. And we're going to kick off this episode not talking about trivia. We're going to actually kick it off uh, with a brief edna's icebreaker we start every monthly ipc podcast episode with an edna's icebreaker and this one is rather thought-provoking um maybe it's because i promised to take her on a date night in a couple of days after i after my paycheck goes through and so dating and stuff has been on a, on our mind because we've, we've been looking forward to it um her icebreaker is pretty simple but also pretty thought-provoking 
The question is simply, would you date yourself? Would you date yourself? Do you think, like, if there was an opposite sex version of you or if you're attracted to the same sex, whatever, do you think if there was another of you that you would date yourself? I mean, absolutely, because we had the same interests. So I feel like we would be very compatible. Um, but no, seriously, like, um, I look, I know a lot of people struggle with loving yourself. Right. Let's put it that way. With right. Things. That's a big problem in today's world. I think we, we often, our culture is just like, you care about other people or you're supposed to love other people. And, you know, Loving yourself is selfish or something like that. The truth is that's not the case. I think you you do need to love yourself. I think a lot of people struggle with that. And yes, maybe on some days I do think of myself, man, dude, <laughs> what is wrong with you? <laughs> you know, we all go through that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think overall I am pretty level-headed when it comes to that. I'm really like, yeah, I'm all right. All right. I, I'm, I'm a pretty cool person. I think I'm okay, you know, and it, and it helps to be surrounded by people who love you and True. who take value of you. True. I think, and unfortunately, not, not everyone has that. Just because you don't have that does not mean that you shouldn't love yourself, that you aren't worthy of love and caring and are a great person and unique and special in your own way because literally there is no other person on the face of the earth like you. That is the truth um, for every single person. And so, you know, you have to love yourself. And yes, I would say I would if there was a yeah, there was a, there was a opposite sex versus of me um or if, you know, if you if 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 you're someone else and you're into the same sex, you know, go for it. Um I, I would definitely go for it. I mean, maybe I would go. I mean, I don't know. Would I go even if it was a same sex version of myself? I think okay, what up? Screw it. Man, I I don't want to take this conversation even further, but there are so many follow-up questions like, would you do yourself? That It's just, I don't know if I want to explore that. (laughs) It's getting a little too deep. (laughs) That's what she said. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Sorry. We've been watching a lot of The Office lately. (laughs) We should have put that... We should have been that under the what have you been watching lately. We've been watching the super fan episodes, the ones that are like the extended episodes where they take deleted scenes and extra footage and compile it and edit it into one complete episode. And some of them are like 35, 40 minutes long or something like that. Like those ones are truly interesting because that's like what the directors and the producers and stuff wanted it to be but couldn't because you needed it to be 22 minutes for the network. You know what I mean? Right. So those those are really interesting. And it makes me wonder if there are like super fan episodes of other things. Like what would a super fan episode of Ahsoka look like? You know what I mean? Like are there deleted scenes? Is there extra stuff that they wish they'd been able to include but wanted to trim or something like I don't I'm, know. I'm just I'm just picturing you know Dwight Schrute you know dressed as Ahsoka with all the face paint and everything. That's that's what I'm picturing in my head. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, but to to answer my wife's question, um, I I think I would because there there was a time in my life where I I didn't have my wife and I had to learn how to like take myself to go do nice things or things that I wanted to do, and I I coined it dating myself. 
I took myself to the amusement park. I took myself to the movies. I took myself out to dinner, that kind of thing. And um, it, it can be a very solemn and introspective at times. But at the same time, you, you also kind of learn a little bit about who you are and, and what you are. And so I think if there was like an actual physical version of me, I think I would. But luckily, I don't really need to ask myself that question too much because I've got somebody that I can go take on dates. So, but the long and short of it, probably, yeah, I think so. I feel like I already love myself, but wouldn't have the energy for someone who is uncannily exactly like me, says Stephen in the chat. Tony says, I probably would. Um, in the words of Seinfeld, I can't be with myself. I hate myself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor George. Poor oh. poor George Costanza. Oh man. Well, that is a that's a very interesting and, and introspective question um to lead us into um a, a topic that is is not too dissimilar because um you know, outside of the TV show, we we learned a lot about Matthew Perry and some of yeah. the struggles that he went through uh, while recording and then life after recording the TV show Friends. And a lot of those interviews have resurfaced since his passing, which is just tragic, by the way. Like, that—that that is our, our next topic of the evening is just a, a memoriam of somebody who has gone entirely too soon. Um, it's, it's just... I, I don't even have the proper words for it because... For the longest time, Chandler Bing was my spirit animal. Like, I didn't even know what a spirit animal was, but I related to Chandler so, so much. And it's it's sad to think about the person that brought that character to life isn't there anymore. Because I guess I was hoping that I'd be able to run into him at a Comic-Con or something someday and kind of tell him what his character was able to do for me. And... Now I'm never going to get that chance. And yeah. it's it's a real bummer because um, when I was in college, I had a job and I had classes and I had an internship. So I had very little time for socializing. And this was during the time that Friends was on Netflix. And I didn't have to worry about commercials. I didn't have to worry about, you know, um, binging. Like it was something that was entirely... Uh, socially appropriate at the time and when I would get home from class or from a long day in my internship I'd get home at 11 p.m. sometimes and I couldn't really go socialize with people at that hour so I put on friends and for the longest time friends was not just my comfort show it was like a form of social interaction for me I interacted with those people I related to those people and Maybe that sounds a little sad, but I don't care. That's where I was at that stage in my life. And Matthew Perry, you know, very inadvertently played a big part in my sanity in getting through my, my junior and senior year of college. And uh, I I am very personally shook over this loss. And I I never even met the man, which is, it's so strange. Those are, I mean, and that just shows the impact of 
these people. You know, I I remember I've been shook up by a variety of of big celebrity deaths. Um, and it and it's strange. It's like I never met this person, never things, but like that just goes to show like how much their work impacted us. And you know, the fact that you could share a connection with someone that didn't know who you are. But you knew who they were, and you know the fact that Matthew Perry was just so open about his struggles. Yeah, it's, it's kind of funny. The the one when I'm thinking about like celebrity deaths that impacted me the most, I think back to Carrie Fisher, which I think yeah. impacted a ton of people. But she was also someone who was very open about her struggles, and you know, and did it in a way. Then obviously she was Carrie Fisher. She liked to turn it into a joke sometimes. We loved her for it. But she also, I think, did it to help people, to destigmatize, to, oh, that guy's a drunk, that guy's a drug addict, whatever else, you know, pu- pull it back and go like, no, these are real people with real problems. And mm-hmm. they, need, they need love and caring, not, not your judgment. And I think... Matthew Perry just, you know, on screen was this legendary character that so many people related to. Then off screen was this real hero, I think, real someone who was in there. Um, And I should, before I go any further, I should mention something happened today. I watched my first episode of Friends. Your very first. My very first episode. Your very first episode. Which one did you watch? Did you watch the pilot? So I did watch the pilot. You were kind enough. You were kind enough. This all <laughs> happened right literally after the news broke. I said, okay, I'm going to watch Friends now. I'm going to do it. I'm going to dive in because it feels like the right time. And just, I just I want to I want to experience this. I want to I've seen all the memes and all this. So, okay, it's time to go to dive in headfirst into Friends. And I absolutely meant for like three weeks to just do a deep dive and do several episodes didn't really get around to it. I mean, there was other shows that were kind of um, were calling my name, Loki and Ahsoka, all this kind of stuff. Sure. But um, yeah, today I I was like, okay, I had to, I just miraculously for no for maybe something was telling me to to watch Friends finally because I had downtime that I shouldn't have had, and in a very crazy day, and I said, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sit down and watch this, and I watched the pilot, and I really did enjoy it. It was it was funny. I, I've I've not watched that many. I would say modern sitcoms. Like obviously, I've seen I Love Lucy, Andy Griffith, all this kind of stuff. And then sure. the modern stuff is mostly like your Seinfelds and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but a very different vibe and something. Then I think Matthew Perry, even in the limited amount of screen time he had in that first episode, even the limited time. I mean, like it's a bunch of characters in this show. Friends yeah. is a very packed cast. Yeah, it's really ambitious for the characters. Like you, Seinfeld is like. Four people, and that's it. And that was enough sometimes for that show. But, um, you know, everyone's cut down. It's a you know 20-minute episode, and he stood out as a character. There was very – there was a lot, of, a lot of good laughs, and just ultimately I'm – because I know, like, every first episode of any show, which was a sitcom, is always kind of weird. Yeah. So I'm like – and like if this if this is like low this is like middle of the road to low bar for this show it can only it's gonna get better and I'm looking forward to watching more episodes because it is the show that's you know got a good vibe to it and it's more more sincere obviously than Seinfeld Seinfeld is not sincere at all there's no no 
anything. It's all just these characters are terrible. Brandon's more like, yeah, these characters are kind of real people with real problems, and, and mm-hmm. that's the whole thing. Um, and that's more endearing. So yeah. I really do want to watch more, and Chandler is instantly a standout character, I think, just the fact of, you know, he's just... You know, he's 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 the wise guy. He's he's the one finishing everyone's sentences. He's the one with the joke every time yep. he's in the background, like rolling his eyes, doing all this. And that's the character that I that's the character that I relate to the most, because I am the person in the background, either <laughs> maybe not making the joke out loud, but definitely saying it in my head and making myself laugh because of a ridiculous situation that I'm in. So, yeah, it's it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, so pilots are always like something that's supposed to give you an idea of what things are going to be about. But if you follow it from the pilot to the finale, it's almost like two different shows, you know, like it is with a lot of shows are like that. mm -hmm. The, the growth that everybody experiences is pretty fantastic, but Steven's got it uh, right on the head in the chat where he says, I think Chandler grows the most out of all the main friends characters. I would agree to that because he starts out as a data processing factotum, just a just a basic run of the mill person, and he ends up becoming um, a leader in a um, marketing industry. Wow! Like he he's he go he goes from being somebody in a cubicle to being somebody that's writing TV commercials, and it's just it's so cool to see his personal growth, his professional growth, his relational growth. Um, he gets married over the course of the show. He has a kid over the course of the show. Um, it's it's crazy the, the type of development that he gets. And, you know, when you see how hopeless he is uh, in the first season, it, it kind of gives you hope as a person going, wow, okay, there's there's hope for me too. And I think that's one of the things that, Matthew Perry as a person was able to translate so well um, into the real world was a, to make himself relatable the way Chandler was relatable, but also to provide stories and, and offer insights that give hope to other people. He, he had an alcohol addiction, he had a drug addiction and he was very transparent about those things and, and wrote social media posts and went to events and wrote a book uh, all about his struggles. And people have been reading excerpts from his book and people have been, you know, putting videos on TikTok talking about some of the different interviews that he's given and some of the hope that he tries to provide and the foundations that he's started for other people who struggle with addictions. Like, yes, he's got a great legacy with the Chandler character and we're going to talk about um, an article that recommends the top 10 Chandler episodes. Um, but I just also want to give honor to a, a person who who fought very hard for people with the disease of addiction and, and those who become depressed as a result. Um, Matthew Perry did a lot for that community. And um, that is the legacy that he wanted to have beyond just being an actor. He He wanted to be a voice of hope for those who felt like they didn't have one. And that I think leaves a, a much more lasting impact than any TV show could. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the thing is, and I hate to say it, but especially today you, 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 you see people on screen and you love them. And then sometimes you, 
see something on the internet or you see a tweet from them and they disappoint you and you know <laughs> yeah. it's it's and you end up saying that person was playing a really good person on the screen but they weren't as good in real life and it's it's sad it's really nice and i think the overall majority is that the people behind the scenes are really great and he was one of the best examples of someone who was taking and taking something that was really like made like he was he was i mean really a victim of this he was someone who was suffering from something um but then turned that into something that he could help other people with and that's that's the most endearing thing and some of the things that you know people are gonna remember him forever that for is i think just and and i've seen like interviews and debates and with people on like live tv of him talking to people and like you know basically some there was some guy that was talking about like oh addiction is this and never and he's like no, you're wrong. I've lived this. I was a drunk, and I know how it is. Basically, shut your mouth. Um, right. You know. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm like, you tell him. Like this, this is exactly what needs to happen. He, he's, yep. he's been there. Come on. Cut, you know. L- listen to this guy. Yep. Yep. Um. His 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 best friend on the show was his best friend. Um. In real life, for for a good while too, and that's uh, Matt LeBlanc. And today. Mm-hmm. As of the day that we recorded this episode, uh, he was able to to pen kind of a a public tribute to to Matthew, and I'm going to read it real quickly. He says, "Matthew, it is with a heavy heart I say goodbye. The times we had together are honestly among the favorite times of my life. It was an honor to share the stage with you and to call you my friend. I will always smile when I think of you, and I'll never forget you. Never. Spread your wings and fly, brother." You're finally free. Much love. And I guess you're keeping the 20 bucks you owe me. <laughs> the the camaraderie of, of this show, they were more than just friends. Like They became family members, and they kept in touch with each other, and they took care of each other uh, long after the show was over. There's there's a certain tenderness that, that goes on uh, among these people and they just did a reunion episode um like a like a documentary type thing with james corden yeah, yeah. and and it was it was just so charming and heartwarming to see them together and now to think about losing one sixth of that group and to think that they're never going to have that type of reunion again is just it's a lot it's a lot to process yeah. Steven also says that there's a lot of classic Thanksgiving episodes on the TV show. He is right. I don't know how much time we're going to have for that on this episode. We've got some holiday slash Thanksgiving related stuff to talk about right after this. Um, We do. But if you just Google Friends Thanksgiving episodes, there will be plenty of articles that like list them and rank them and all kinds of stuff. Um there are some really, really good ones. I think they, I think there's ten seasons in the show, and that like seven of them, eight of them have Thanksgiving episodes. So they made sure to uh, emphasize the giving of thanks, and uh, some of them are are truly special. So, um, I'm gonna list off the uh, Collider.com's top ten. Chandler Bing episodes, and then we'll call it, unless you have any other things you want to contribute, Ben. That sounds great. I'd love to hear them. Um, this is a season one episode called The One with the Blackout. Chandler ends up getting stuck in an ATM vestibule, which if you know me and you know my profession, that's kind of ironic. 
but he gets he gets trapped in there with a model and ends up bonding with her uh for a little bit during the blackout and that one's very very funny in season two there's an episode called the one where heckles dies and it's their downstairs neighbor who literally heckles them sometimes (laughs) heckles them and harasses them and he ends up passing away and they have to sort through all of his junk and the more chandler ruffles through it the more he realizes maybe he's more like mr heckles than he wants to believe like maybe he relates to him more than he should and it kind of becomes a bit of a character transformation for him which is uh really cool i guess they're going season by season so this one is from season three and it's titled the one where chandler can't remember which sister he gets drunk at a party one night and ends up kissing one of joey's sisters and joey's not having it and it it leads to um a lot of really uh interesting dialogue between the two of them and him trying to sort his way out of an uncomfortable situation with family and friends and uh it's it's very entertaining um season four they list the one with the embryos and it is in this episode that the name chanandler bong was first revealed because it's the trivia episode um bit of a spoiler ben but the there's actually a trivia night that happens on friends as well and it has some pretty high stakes and it's very funny very entertaining probably about as funny as me flying off the handle when i got that kotor question earlier tonight so um the one with the embryos is definitely worth watching in season four um in season five uh it's called the one where everybody finds out and in the one where everybody finds out, they literally find out a pretty big reveal about uh, a secret relationship that Chandler has been having. And the rest of the friends group finds out about it. And uh, there's a lot of some very funny detective investigative work that goes on in order to um, make this big reveal. And there's some very funny line delivery in there that uh, just leads to some very great, but also some very wholesome moments among the friends group um season six the one where chandler can't cry um it's 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 very interesting to see that uh no matter what kind of um sad moment or sad movie they try to expose him to chandler just doesn't tear up he he literally cannot shed a tear. He cannot cry over any of the sad stuff they try to put in his way. But um, what's funny is you you know about the the Ross and Rachel on again off again drama, right, Ben? Like that's just well, been heavily. Yeah, that's that's been memed a whole lot. Obviously, we were heavily, on a break. Heavily and then, memed. I mean, it also like supremely telegraphed in the very first episode. Like right. so, you know, it's it's obviously going to be a thing. Right. And so there's there's a there's a moment in this sixth season where Chandler finally does tear up because he just can't understand why those two can't sort it out and figure it out. And so it, it's it's the two of them that end up causing him to cry. Um, season seven is actually one of my personal favorites. I love season seven more than any of the others. Season seven has some absolutely amazing episodes the the cheesecake the the holiday armadillo and then this one the one with the engagement picture um chandler is uh is engaged and he is with his fiance taking 
um, taking photos, and he just does not know how to smile. He he literally throws together some sort of a weird, you know, toothy grin where he's basically exposing his teeth like a gorilla as a show of dominance more than he is smiling for an, an engagement photo. And at one point, the photographer, I love this line, it's one I'm never going to forget. The photographer says, I'm sorry, is the seat uncomfortable? And Chandler replies, no, I am. <laughs> it was just so relatable. I was like, yes, thank you. I am uncomfortable as well. That makes so much sense. <laughs> um, season eight is called the one with the Halloween party. And he dresses up as the Easter bunny and gets made fun of mercilessly at this Halloween party and tries to um, tries to save his manhood by arm wrestling with Ross. And even that doesn't go well. So... You know, dressing up as a pink bunny is bad enough, but then arm wrestling your friend from college as a way of trying to show dominance at a Halloween party, it just, that doesn't sound like it's going to end very well. Um, Season nine is titled The One with Ross's Inappropriate Song. (laughs) Ross ends up singing Baby Got Back to one of his kids because it's the only thing that makes his kids stop crying and start laughing. And, um, one of the character's old flames shows back up, which kind of sends Chandler spiraling. And so um, there's there's just a, a lot of the will-they-won't-they they type of dynamic and a lot of, again, character development for Chandler as he tries to come to grips with himself and his identity and how it pertains to other people's identities. Um, it's funny but it's also very good for the character's growth. And then finally, season 10, the episode they recommend is called The One Where Estelle Dies. Estelle was Joey's longtime agent when he was trying to get acting jobs. And by the final season, that agent actually passes away. But in the B story, in the other story, Chandler is married and getting ready to move into the suburbs. See what I mean by character development? He's no longer living in the apartment. He's moving out. He's he's growing. And he ends up running into an old flame who says that she's looking at buying the house next door. And so that leads to some really awkward interactions because Chandler really wants that house, but he really doesn't want the awkward tension of living next door, being neighbors with his ex. So... Those are just a few insights to some of the greatness that is Chandler Bing. Collider.com provided that article, but I would be in pretty much agreement with everything that they just assessed. And uh, I'm really excited to follow up with you in maybe a month or two months, Ben, to see what your thoughts are on Friends moving forward, because I I would definitely be of the mentality that it gets better. The first season's a little rough. Second, third and fourth seasons are are really good, and then, like I said, season seven's probably my favorite. So, um, I'm 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 excited to go on that journey with you and and see how you end up liking it. Yeah, I'm 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 excited. But when when we heard the news bef- between episodes, because it happened after episode three sixty six and before this one three sixty seven, I was like, dude, we need we need to remember. Matthew Perry, because we've said goodbye to so many people over the course of this show. We've had to 
say goodbye to Sir Christopher Lee, to, to Robin Williams, countless others. But um, this one this one resonated particularly for me just because of how much that show and how much that character kept me company. So um, I know I know it's not something that you're super familiar with, but I appreciate you humoring me nonetheless. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, on to some happier stuff. We asked you, our listeners, to tell us what kind of food would be on your plate during a Thanksgiving slash fall festival type of holiday. And we came up with all kinds of different ingredients, all kinds of different ideas and, and possibilities. And pretty much every Thanksgiving, I don't know if you do this, Ben, or, or if it's just something exclusively to me, but I usually take a picture of my Thanksgiving plate and I'll do like a before <laughs> and after. Good. I'll do a before and after sometimes. Be like, this is how it looked before, and now it's gone. And um, I looked at all of these foods that you put on the pick three. Sometimes we'll do a top five. Sometimes we'll do a pick three. And uh, I, I don't think we got a whole lot of controversy on these. Like there weren't people going, "How dare you?" They were they were pretty civil with their submissions this time around. But I'll admit trying to visualize and conceptualize these different items on my plate and picking one over another was not very easy for me because sometimes my plate will have as many as five items and I only have to pick three. Right. And, and I, I want to preface this. We did get roasted pun intended a little bit in the comments of one of our posts because some people were like, Oh, you missed this. You missed that. And look, I get it. There's a lot of, ethnic and cultural things people love to add in. We'll get to those maybe in later in the show. Um, but I was trying to come up with like the, the standards, the stuff that everybody can relate to at least. Um, or at least I mean, I mean, maybe you're on the other side of the road. I don't know how, how do you celebrate Thanksgiving in, you know, in Africa? Like, do they even celebrate Thanksgiving? I'm guessing not. I'm guessing there's something else, but any, like you could just take any kind of holiday dinner around this time of year, Christmas, you know, Thanksgiving, whatever you celebrate, um, trying to hit like the, the mainstay. So on this list, if you're just listening, you can look this up yourself. But the choices for this are turkey, rolls, uh, sweet potato, casserole, cookies, uh, mac and cheese. Uh, and see, I'm having trouble like picking out what it is. It's cranberry sauce, mashed potatoes. Uh, it's pumpkin pie on the thing. I guess you can say just pie, general pie. Hot cocoa, stuffing, ham, corn, green bean casserole, and your suggestion, which I thought was great and I, I completely forgot of, is uh, deviled eggs. So that's your big choices right now. That's everyone that had to pick from here. This is We put this on social media. You can only pick three. We've done this before. We've done it with movies yep. like this. Now we're doing it with food. We love to throw food into the mix and make it complicated and interesting. And I know there's some stuff we missed probably, but this is the best we could come up with on an expedited schedule. But I think it's pretty well things. You just have to visualize this as a buffet. Just thinking you got your plate, mm. Thanksgiving, Christmas, you're at your, your relatives and your grandma is like, you can only have three things and you have one helping. What are you picking? That's, that's the conundrum we have here. Oof. It's not going to be easy. Do you have your three? Not in the slightest. <laughs> <laughs> I had a suspicion. I I put my initials. I actually took a tally based on the stuff that's in our show notes tonight. 
I did a tally of all the different things to figure out which one um, got the most votes and like what the three would be based on the voting consensus. So we'll get to that at the end of all of this. But um, I think I only picked... Uh, actually, no, I picked two of the favorites. So um, I think I did all right. But it'll it'll be interesting to see for sure. Um, let's lead off with some stuff from the Intergalactic Peace Hangout. We like to give precedence yeah. to those that are loyal listeners, loyal subscribers, and uh, then we will dive into some of the other social media. What's funny is um, Stephen Schindler is part of the Peace Hangout, but he sent us a list on uh, Twitter slash X. And so since he's with us live tonight, uh, we'll go ahead and lead off with his. He said, deviled eggs, ham and mashed potatoes but he also follows up with a question that i thought was hilarious does the ipc square mean that ipc is an option <laughs> so he's referring to the little square in the bottom mm-hmm. we had an extra square so i put our logo in it so when people inevitably steal this thing and throw it up on reddit or something like that we at least get credit for it that's, mm-hmm. that's, my thinking that's our that's our watermark um, but uh, so, to, um, to answer your question, Stephen, I'm going to quote uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. That is called cannibalism, and it is frowned upon in most societies. <laughs> this is true. Uh, let me see. What what else do we have? i got to go over to the Peace Hangout. Well, I, yeah, I tell you what, there's one I actually forgot to include in the notes, and it's our, from our good buddy, Joey Mays, who commented on our Facebook page. He was the only person to comment on the Facebook page. Shame on the rest of you for not commenting on Facebook. It's all right. It's fine. Um, But Joey Mays says, turkey, mashed potatoes, and pumpkin pie. So he's got a a meat, he's got a side, and he's got a dessert. Pretty good good rounding out there. Turkey, you said potatoes? Mashed potatoes and and pumpkin pie. Pie. Okay. I've got to... uh reset my tally because i didn't count for joey's <laughs> I comment you up. i gotta i gotta i gotta put another tally mark in different places i don't think it affects the overall um the overall voting system though i think it all still plays out the way i thought um oh god my wife just sent me a, a chat oh man and then johnny just commented on the peace hangout Okay, well, okay. Late entries here. We're going to have to cut it off at some point, okay? We're doing the show now. What have we got? What have we got? Tell tell me me Johnny's. Okay, so Johnny just commented literally one minute ago saying, uh, turkey, dark meat specifically, uh, pumpkin pie, and stuffing. Pie and stuffing. Okay, well, I'm going to have to recount everything. (laughs) Oh, God. Turkey. Um, you want me to read a you want me to read a couple while you're doing that? No, no, no. I, I I can I can multitask. I think. Um, but let's go ahead and go through the rest of the of the piece. Hangout. Chris Abbott, aka Star Raptor, longtime listener, been on the show a few times. Uh, number three, sweet potatoes with marshmallow. Never actually enjoyed the taste until probably five years back. They're actually great for you without the marshmallows. Number two, turkey. Wouldn't be Thanksgiving without it for my family. And number one, cookies. My favorite dessert, especially the ones with icing that my aunt makes for Thanksgiving. Aw. See, that's the thing is, that's what's bad is like when you have like, you have a certain dessert or something like that. It's a specific one that like that family member makes. 
and you know it's you you have those memories and it's like you get it from a restaurant or somebody else makes it you're just like that's ah, not quite what my aunt makes mm-hmm. yep yep i i think what's cool about this particular holiday is that um there are memories associated not just with the meal but with uh the 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 people that prepare the meal you know what i mean like yes. there there's there's not just oh it's thanksgiving i get to go make memories with my aunt it's oh it's thanksgiving i get to eat the food my aunt prepares if that if that makes sense oh yeah yeah and so like it's it's kind of a double whammy when it comes to what um what type of memories you get to make for this particular holiday and that's that's always really fun um let me see what else we've got um scott forbes says turkey stuffing and mashed potatoes and gravy what can i say i'm basic when it comes to holiday food um dan grievous let me see stuffed peppers i don't know if we've got stuffed peppers and we definitely don't have cake but it's a special cake made with condensed milk, a special treat that she makes once a year. See, it's another one of those meals, but also personal memories associated with the meal. And then homemade gingerbread cookies. I guess we'll put a tally mark next to cookies. Um, but we definitely don't have stuffed peppers amongst the option. So uh, I, I we'll, we'll give credit to it, but I don't know if we can put it among the tally markers. Here's the only tally. This is this is one of the ones that surprised me. This is the only tally that was given for bread slash rolls. My old classmate, friend of mine, tunes into my football and baseball games on a regular basis, and I guess tunes into IPC as well. Ben Anderson. Hope you're doing well, Ben. Uh, he's got deviled eggs at the top of the list, King's Hawaiian rolls at number two, and then mashed potatoes at number three. That's the only one I gave a tally to. But he also says 3A, mac and cheese. Nice try. Sorry. Not not going to do that one. You you said the potatoes first, so that's the one we're going to go with. Um, Kenny Crayley, another long-time listener. Been a part of the show probably since 2014, 2015. Um, he's got turkey, stuffing, and mashed potatoes and gravy. Now, keep in mind, folks, I have been keeping a tally to keep up with what everybody is voting on. And there's going to be some comments on the Star Wars Underworld page that we're going to be um, taking some tallies of, but whatever is in this Intergalactic Peace Hangout and whatever is in our show notes is the stuff that we are making the official tally of. We have to cut it off at some point. So if it didn't make it in, we still appreciate you sending in a submission. It's just not going to be part of the official count that we made. That's all. But... um, Continuing with the Peace Hangout, I'm just going to go ahead and round it out. We've only got a couple more. Jesse Bennett has pumpkin pie, green bean casserole, and stuffing. Stuffing. So there's there's no um, there's no protein in there, Jesse. I, I see where your priorities are, but it's uh, there, that's a lot of carbs and a lot of a lot of sugar. <laughs> um, let me see. My my wife is updating the list here. I had to send her the picture so she knew what to what to pick from. Um, let me see. We've got a vote for ham. We've got a vote for turkey. And we've got a vote for eggs. 
deviled eggs. Well, now I know what stuff I need to make for her for Thanksgiving. See this 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 is very easy way. See good research. Right? Get ready for getting ready for Thanksgiving and Christmas dinner. See why why don't people like promote this podcast because we do so much great market research just by asking stuff of our listeners. You know what I mean? If if you and your partner listen to the IPC podcast, you'll know what their favorite movies are, what they love to eat. You know, you'll know what to get them for Christmas. You know what to give them to to eat for Christmas. There's so much, dude. So much good things, dude. My mind was blown when I realized that that's all that, um, like Santas at the store are doing. You you put kids on their lap and they tell Santa what they want for Christmas, and they start keeping a tally mark of all of the hot toy items for the toy stores to stock that holiday season. <laughs> They're 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 not they're not benevolent jolly old men. They're market researchers. And but also if you're li- if you're any kids listening, um, obviously they are reporting back to Santa, so they can they go back to his workshop and tell Santa what to make. Sure, in his workshop. Sure. That is the truth. Sure, they 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 wink, are wink. they are pseudo Santas that report to the big man. That's what they are. Sure, that's that's the rules. Mm-hmm. Of course. And then rounding it out, Ryan Christopher says, turkey, ham, and cranberry, everything else is just a bonus. A little addendum, though, I do love my aunt's mac and cheese at Christmas. That's a tradition in itself. Mm. <laughs> again, again with the familiar, the familiar dishes. It's not just any old craft macaroni and cheese, it's... My aunt's mac and cheese. That's right. the special one. That's the good one. Right. And, and I long for the day when maybe I have a relative that says, ooh, I can't wait for Thanksgiving so that I can have, you know, Theo Zach, Uncle Zach's famous deviled eggs or whatever. You know what I mean? Old, old Grandpa Zach Arnold and his and his special uh, special Christmas turkey. You know what? My dad is in charge of the turkey, and he got a new smoker. Ooh. And I think I just found out what our barbecue segment's going to be tonight. Smoked turkey is darn good. And I'm speaking from a lot of experience in that in that department. Stay tuned for Barbecue Watch, folks. <laughs> uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. Um, but yeah, that that's the Ryan's comment is the last one that I've got on the piece hangout. And then I already mentioned Stevens from Twitter. Andrew was the other Twitter contributor and said this was hard, but if I had to pick, I would pick ham, mashed potatoes, and pumpkin pie. That's good. I, I do look turkey is good. I, d- ham when it's good is really good. I love ham. Like a honey baked ham, like a sweet oh, ham. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I did the Hangout. Do you mind doing the uh, SW Facebook responses? Yeah, so we got quite a few. Not from any other pages, but for particularly the Star Wars Underworld, the people over there. Um, I guess since we just came back, we were on strike for a little bit, but now we're back. Everything's back to normal. Getting a lot of comments over there. And people particularly had some interesting um, con- uh, conversations and some opinions about their Thanksgiving food on a Star Wars Facebook page. But here we go. <laughs> um, first and foremost, Kenny Robertson says, missing tamales. <laughs> I thought this one would would really 
be uh, speaking to you, Zach, because well, no, no, when when it comes to cultural stuff and local stuff, having interesting things and things, particularly tamales, just oh man, that's right up my alley for sure. Tamales are amazing, but I usually associate them with Christmas. Oh, okay. I think we usually have them on Christmas Eve is the way my side of the family is done. I'm still learning some of the traditions of my wife's side of the family, but I will say one of my favorite Christmas traditions is we open presents on Christmas Eve, like right at midnight. So it's like technically Christmas Day. And then we'll stay up till like one, two in the morning singing karaoke. Oh, wow, that's cool. It has it has nothing to do with food, but that is one of my new favorite traditions with my wife's side of the family. We've done that two years in a row, and it's super fun. That is, that sounds great. I love I love putting a little twist on it, putting a little twist on it, doing mm-hmm. something a little bit different. That's great. Yeah. Um, for me, for me, food wise, I think I've talked about this before. How my family's Christmas dinner is usually includes the normal stuff like your your turkey, your dressing, your stuffing, but then you add in the gumbo. And the Creole. Yep. Um, because yep. we're in the South, particularly right here on the coast, seafood, gumbo, it's all the rage. It's a big, huge thing. And everybody's got their best gumbo rep- recipe. Um, and my my cousin has hers, and we all look forward to going to her house and um, getting the gumbo for that. So that's a special thing. It's a special local thing that I really do enjoy. But um, that's cool. Uh, okay, so up up next we got Jerry Merverick um, saying uh, green bean casserole, turkey and mashed potatoes. So um, one big meat, two two big old sides, one one casserole. Great. Um, Tom Whitford says uh, he's got a long one here. Turkey, green bean casserole, and stuffing. And <laughs> again, they're roasting. They're roasting the images that I picked. It says, "And get that canned green bean jelly, green canned cranberry jelly out of here. Make the real stuff." <laughs> <laughs> because the picture is of uh, just like the cranberry sauce just out of the can. Which, when I went to Rilla just house, that's what we got. Okay. Like that's how you just get the candy, you pour it out, and you slice it up. That's how I remember cranberry sauce. That's my exposure. Maybe Dude, I got the bad stuff. No, but, you no. Know, that's 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 what I remember. Honestly, that's the only kind that we have because a lot of my family members have like food texture sensitivities, and I don't think they like texture in the cranberry sauce. They want they want it pureed. They want it smooth. I can smooth. understand that. I'm a big texture person, so I can understand of just like you get like it's either like it's like chunky peanut butter versus smooth peanut butter. Some yes. people some people like yes, I exactly. I'll eat it either way, but I can understand like not wanting chunky. Exactly. Like I I can maybe do like crunchy peanut butter on toast, but if I'm having a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, that needs to be a smooth bite. <laughs> Yep. And and, as and far as, same but, goes for my for my for my cranberry sauce. It 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 just I I can't imagine it being chunky and possibly having seeds and things like that. That's just that's not how I've ever had it and it's not how I ever really planned to have it. So yeah. Yeah. I tell you fair. And and look, growing up as far as I knew, cranberries grew on the vine or whatever they grow in the shape of a, a cylinder in the shape of a, of a tin can. That's all I knew. Okay. I didn't know nothing about cranberries. Um, so that's all I knew. Um, 
So, um, okay, up next we got uh, Matthew Peterson who says, if someone, again with the roast, if someone brings that box mac and cheese, they're going <laughs> to eat it at it in the driveway alone. Y'all ain't bringing in that negativity to my crib. To my crib. <laughs> my crib. <laughs> so let me explain this really quick. There was a lot of really delicious looking macaroni and cheese images on Google image search. Okay. But none of them popped in a way that I wanted to define what it was. It was clearly Mac and cheese. It looked like other things. So I just picked like these things. It doesn't like I said, any cheese. It's just like noodles in a bowl. And people just don't like that. It's like, Oh my God, it's not advertising. Like, At least you knew it was Mac and cheese. It's all just picture the mac and cheese your aunt makes, okay? That's all I want. Well, and what's funny is if you make it with, like, the right milk and maybe some extra shredded cheese, Kraft isn't all that bad. But uh. I I definitely enjoy some of the um, skillet mac and cheese recipes that I have found Ooh, on yeah. TikTok where you use, like, a cast iron skillet and you pour in... Um, milk and your own um, noodles and your own cheeses and like a half a block of Velveeta and I actually use like this pepper jack alternate Velveeta to kind of spice it up a little bit and uh, those those are really fun but I don't know if I'm taking that to Thanksgiving that may be a little um, a little more progressive than some of the traditionalists <laughs> would would prefer so we'll probably just yeah. stick to we'll stick to the craft because we know it's safe totally totally um okay up next we've got uh brian nixon who says uh turkey green bean casserole and deviled eggs deviled eggs gets another point um uh x next we've got wendy Yermal who says mac and cheese deviled eggs and they specify with deviled eggs no relish no extras just egg yolk mayo bit of mustard and paprika on top that's that's very specific with the, the deviled eggs here um and then uh, with the the drink, which is not specified in the image, they they interpret it as coffee, coffee with flavored creamer. So not not hot cocoa, coffee, which I suppose will let that slide. Well, and based on my tallies, that's the only vote that that beverage got from all of the submissions. So if I feel if, like if that person didn't comment, there would not even be a tally mark for that image. So I'm <laughs> okay, going to at least I'm going to I'm going to give it to them. And look, we're in my family like there's everybody gets coffee. Coffee is before dinner, after dinner, through dinner. It's it's everywhere, okay? Yeah. So, you know, it that's just a this is a mainstay. So, um almost doesn't even count. Um but up, up next we got Brandon Brown who says uh, yams, mashed potatoes and stuff. I don't know if yams are on the thing. <laughs> I didn't particularly put I put mashed potatoes there's no potatoes well um, the, the some people interchange like sweet potatoes and yams as that uh oh okay as, all right as that uh that dish with the marshmallows candied yams the candied yams up at the top there next to the cookies yeah yeah, yeah I see it I see it I see it yeah so but okay fair odd, enough oddly enough um that one only got two votes so uh, wow. I guess it's not as much of a more popular than that. Yeah, uh, I'm. I'm going to give you a few surprises when we when we come up with these totals here. But we still got one more left. We got one more, and then we'll get to the tallies. Uh, Melody Wade says cookies, mashed potatoes, and corn. I'm just picturing these plates, these different plates. Yes. Of yes, just like some of them have like your your favorites, your your turkey, your dressing, 
And then <laughs> Melody's got corn, mashed potatoes, and cookies on her plate. No, no ham, no turkey, no, Passed no, up the turkey no fish, ham. no, tur- no, no tofu. You just, you go through the, this line of this, of this entire smorgasbord and you just get a cob and a, and a sugar cookie and you, you slap on some, some pureed roots and you're done. <laughs> <laughs> just call it a night. Oh boy. Well, I guess we put them in a pickle. We've made them choose three. Uh, well, that's the whole point. We we told them to do it, and they did it. But you're right. Trying to conceptualize those plates is is not, um, it's it's not it's not something that that I'm looking at. And and it's honestly part of how I made my decision. Like I I was I was looking at those images. I was looking at previous um plates that I've had and thinking about like what essentials do I need to need to need to have, um. Did Tony turn in a submission, or did he just turn one in? I guess we have to recount, don't we? Ah, damn it. <laughs> I was away. Did you, did you get Dan's? Yes, I got Dan's, but Dan's didn't really have stuff on the on the oh, list. Okay. He, yeah, had, well, he had gingerbread cookies, so I put a tally for cookies, but then he's also got cake. To and, be fair. And stuffed peppers, which honestly sounds really good, but I've never had it for Thanksgiving. To be fair, Dan's on the other side of the world, so it's it's a bit different different culture there. So I would I would expect it to be a bit different. So, but it's nice to get a little window into how Dan celebrates holidays. Stuffing. Sorry, I'm making sure that I've got the right numbers. Adding one for stuffing. There we go. Okay, that's it. Tony's the last submission. He got turkey. We are done. Turkey stuffing and pumpkin pie. Those are the final votes, and now it's time for the official tally, and maybe I actually make this plate at Thanksgiving to show what the most voted on plate was on the IPC podcast. How about that? That sounds amazing. I might I might actually do that, because I'm pretty sure we're going to have all of these items at our family's Thanksgiving, so we'll, we'll see what happens. Um... Here, here are some of the ones that just missed out. Are you ready for the ones that did not make the top three? Hell yeah. Just missing out with five votes is pie. <gasps> just missing out with five votes, green bean casserole. Wow. And just missing out with five votes, deviled eggs. You want to know what those finished higher than? Those 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 three that ended up with five votes each finished higher than coffee, bread, yams, cookies, mac and cheese, cranberry sauce, ham, and corn. Wow. Those all got higher votes. Clocking in at number three. Amazing. Clocking in at number three, with seven votes, was stuffing. Clocking in at number two, with nine votes, was mashed potatoes. Wow. And then, of course, the staple that we all know, that we assumed was going to walk away in a landslide, and it did, with 12 votes, including a final 12th tally that came in from Tony at the last second there, turkey is the number one option out of everybody's picks tonight. 
There you go. So turkey, potatoes, and stuffing. That is the most voted upon dish from our pick three of the IPC podcast holiday food edition. But some surprises in there, some not so surprises. Yeah, you know, that's that's you kind of kind of take what you can get there. But um, nice to hear from everyone. Yeah, yeah. Fun fact, um, my three only has one item from the consensus top three. Really? Do you have your three put together yet? I just got it. I just got it. I had to. I had to painfully knock something out. Yeah. That I really wanted to be in there, but I'm like, it's. It, this is how it works. You can't things. Maybe. I'll, maybe I'll reveal that at some point. But I tell you, it was hard, man. Yeah. Yeah. But I, again, I'm thinking about what I would want on my plate. What What can I picture actually being on my plate, and how can I balance it? I'm all about variety. When I go to like a breakfast place, I'm getting a sampler. When I go to On the Border, I'm getting the border sampler that's got a little bit of everything. When I'm going to Chili's, I'm getting the Smokehouse combo because it gives you like two or three meats and like two or three sides. Like, I am all about the variety. And so I'm I'm trying hard not to pick like two starches or, or two meats or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So with my three, do we just go ahead and do all three or we're going to do like a countdown like we do top five style? We can we can just reveal them. You can just reveal them and talk about each one. Okay. Okay. A little bit different. All righty. Well, I I will I will kick it off then if that's all right with you and yeah. lead off with turkey. I think that's a staple. I am a uh, more white meat over dark meat though. I don't know why. It's not racist. It's just preference. <laughs> I like the lights instead of the darks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Someone Ugh. is gonna clip that. Oopsie. Yeah, I know, right? Beep. Yep, I'm going to get canceled from that clip. Anyways, turkey, green bean casserole is part of my three. I don't think that it's Thanksgiving without green bean casserole. That is like the dish that I associate it with the most. But it's gotten to a point where I'm like the only one in my family who makes it. So it's only a Thanksgiving staple because I make it a Thanksgiving staple, damn it. Okay. But green bean casserole and then... I'm going to have the jellied cranberry sauce. I don't care if people are saying you need to go and make it yourself or make the real stuff, Tom. I'm going to have the stuff that comes out of a can because it reminds me of Thanksgiving and it reminds me of my childhood. So I'm having the canned cranberry sauce with some casserole and some turkey. That's my plate. There you go. Great plate. I, I, I could live with that. But I did bring my own plate. Okay. Yeah. I did. Go, I'm making go for my own it. plate. And um, on my plate, first and foremost, surprise, surprise, as Gomer Pyle would say, <laughs> um, turkey is my my big meat, my big main course. Surprise, I'm gonna have a lot. I'm, surprise, look, I'm surprise. I'm heaping on the turkey. Assuming there's a lot of turkey on the main on the on the on the buffet. Okay, I'm getting a lot of turkey because I do really. The turkey's good, and for me. I'm not racist, okay? I'll eat it. I'll eat it. I'll eat dark or white meat. I don't care. <laughs> believe me, believe me. I have said that joke way too many times at Christmas dinner. People don't even think it. Like my family's just like, oh God, this again. <laughs> I'm not racist. Shut up. <laughs> okay, Ben. <laughs> 
Nobody cares. You said you say it every year. Jeez. Um, next on my plate is good old stuffing. Um, if stuffing the stuffing is good, which it usually is at my house, um, it's good, and I do love me some stuffing. And uh, yeah, it's anytime I can get some good stuffing things, and you know, like, and usually, and like this time of year, you can go out to restaurants and they'll have like a like a Thanksgiving plate that they have. Like you get a crack barrel and they have like a Thanksgiving plate. Yeah. I've been traveling occasionally on Thanksgiving and they'll have like a Thanksgiving special. That's just like Turkey and dressing and stuffing. And it was good. Um, but next on my list, next on my plate, right next to the Turkey and stuffing is good old corn. Really? I do. I really like corn. And see, I'm, a, I'm not a chip off the old block. My dad, infamously, he probably hates me talking about this, but he's not here, and he's not going to listen to this, so who cares? Um, <laughs> he infamously, within our whole family, pretty much everyone knows him, knows that he despises corn. Absolutely hates it. Um, and I totally get why. I totally, the, the texture, the, the things, it's, it is a weird food. But I love it. If you get good corn, it's really good. And I prefer it off the cob. I'll eat it on the cob, but it's it's a it's a it's a bit it's a bit messy on the cob. Um, I usually prefer mine off the cob, and it's and it, if it's good, it's really good. And uh, one of my favorites during this time of year or any time of year, really. I will say, I I think it was a a texture thing for me that that kind of turned me off to corn, but I absolutely adore the corn song. <laughs> I mean. It's corn. It's corn. It has the juice. It's like that kid was popular for like a month and then it was gone just as quick as it came. And it's it's so funny when people talk about corn. Like one of my very first comments would be like, it has the juice. And I just try to wait and see who gets the reference. <laughs> oh, God. Um. Oh, and for the record, um. Corn is for corn, okay? Absolutely, under no circumstances do you ever give me cream corn, okay? That is not cool, okay? That's that's crossing a line. Why so serious about that? Because cream corn is nasty. So is it just like just straight up steamed corn pulled off the cob with a little bit of salt, maybe some butter or something? That would be that would be preferable over the that but smashed up so wait smashed up corn is just a tortilla isn't it i mean technically not that <laughs> smashed up though not that smashed up like there's there's different levels of smashing <laughs> so there's there's tortilla smashing there's, and then there's and then there's mario smashing so like which one you realize like, which how one many things are you? we eat that are made of corn like there's a spectrum here mm-hmm mm-hmm Maybe that's why I'm not a fan of having like just corn. I need it I need it repurposed into like a chip and then I dip that corn into guacamole. That kind of corn I can have. <laughs> but at oh, that at, at that point it's it's hardly even corn anymore. Yeah, yeah. That that's my tip. Uh, okay. Well, that was a very lively food discussion and it's making me look forward to Thanksgiving. If you don't hear me say it, um after this, I'm going to say it now before I forget. Uh, happy Thanksgiving. Well, very, very happy Thanksgiving. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. 
happy Kwanzaa, whatever, whatever you celebrate. Mm-hmm. I hope it's a happy one. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's all about enjoying family, enjoying company, and enjoying a good meal. And so I know our friends up in Canada have already had their Thanksgiving, and I know that there's like a fall festival that takes place uh, across the pond. And so, um, you know, whatever you celebrate and whenever you celebrate it, um, just hope that it's, it's with the right perspective and the right people. And uh, that's that's what matters most. That's that's the the thing, you know. A lot of emphasis on the food, but the food's nothing that, without the, the people and the family. And the, and and even if it's not family, you know, friendsgiving is a thing. Not friends, the TV show. Friends, people that you know, maybe maybe your family isn't as big as some people's. Maybe you don't have a lot of family. You know, maybe you're in a place where you don't have family around. Friendsgiving is a great thing that a lot of people do too. So just people that you care about that you love. It's it, that's hanging out with them. That's that's the best part. I think we're having one of those next week, and I'm kind of looking forward to it. That's great. And uh, it's 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 gonna be it's gonna be interesting because everybody likes to contribute something or other, but um, it's very rarely traditional Thanksgiving foods. And so, what's fun is you get to have the traditional Thanksgiving foods, like maybe with your family, and then if you have a friendsgiving, you know, it can be. It, it can be stuff like barbecue or um, I think one time it was tostadas, you know, oh, like, yeah, yeah, it, yeah, it, yeah, it's, it's never like Turkey. It's always something else. And and I think that's part of the fun too, is just seeing everybody's creativity at the dishes that they make. So I'm looking forward to that. Yep. Okay. Um, people have been waiting long enough. This is, <laughs> this is kind of the, the, main event um pseudo main event because we're saving it for the end which was probably not the best idea we've ever had but here we are the what have you been watching segment of the show and um i i mentioned that we've been watching the office super fan episodes i'm also introducing my wife to brooklyn 99 for the first time and uh, that's been fun and then we've been watching parks and rec so it's been a lot of stuff on peacock now that i'm thinking about it um but then we watched the first episode of Life on Our Planet on Netflix. Have Have you seen any of that with Morgan Freeman and all them? Ben, I lost him. I lost him. Life on Our Planet is executive produced by Steven Spielberg. So, if uh, if y'all haven't seen life on our planet yet uh we saw the first episode and really enjoyed it uh would definitely recommend it if you don't have apple um it's a really good alternative but i think i do still prefer prehistoric planet that's over on apple but i i definitely like um the graphics and and the 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 approach that that spielberg and morgan freeman and company are taking it's it's actually like amblin entertainment like spielberg's company that's working on some of the CGI for these dinosaurs. So it's almost like Jurassic Park come to life, which is which is pretty cool. Um, but yeah, we watched the first episode of that one. And I, I threw it over to you, like literally as you stepped away. And I felt terrible <laughs> for doing it because I didn't check that my chat. That was just really bad timing. I apologize. Um, but really, really quickly, what, what stuff have you been going through before we get to our main event? Oh, yeah. So um, I'll go through this. As quickly as I can, because again, I've been watching a lot of stuff, <laughs> and um, you know, a lot of this, the, the, like each of these, could be like an entire episode. I think of IBC if we wanted them to be. Um, unfortunately, we don't really have time for that much anymore. But um, you know, maybe one day. 
Um, so I kind of went off a kick on some some movies. Um, Matthew Vaughn was in the news. He said some, in my opinion, some questionable things about Star Wars. <laughs> but um, I got me thinking, hey, I'd never seen some of his movies, particularly Kingsman the Secret Service, the original from 2015. Um, so I watched that, and it was a lot of fun. It was a great, great movie. Great spy movie. Sam Jackson's great in it. Oh, like it, there's man. a lot of it's it's so it's such a fun movie. It's a it's, it's a it's so a great insane. spy action flick that just does not hold up any of the punches, and you just gotta roll with it. Yeah, it's it's insane. It's bloody. It's full of language and all kinds of crazy stuff. They don't hold back. It's definitely refreshing for that genre because you know even you know james bond is is i love a good bond movie but it's they're very sanitized they're very things this is like yeah you know this is and it's very self-aware of just like i mean literally sam jackson's like this ain't that kind of movie <laughs> like you know this is it's very on the nose which i appreciate it um but another movie that caught my attention that's more way more recent i think it's from the last year or so that seemed to me like similar vein of Kingsman, uh, Bullet Train. Did you have you seen Bullet Train? No, I didn't see Bullet Train. I meant to, and I, I didn't get around to it. I was intrigued by it, but then I was like, eh, I'll watch it when it comes out on streamers. And then guess what? I didn't. Yeah, see, I was the same way. I was like, okay, I, I would like to see that if I get a chance in the theaters. Never really got around to it. Then I, then I, a few weeks ago, I was like, oh, it's on Netflix. Okay, I can finally watch it. Um, so it's it's as the title implies. It's it's a stacked cast. You got yep. Brad Pitt. Um, you got Brian Tyree Henry. You got um, what's his name? It was Quicksilver. Um, all gang, and there's a bunch of other like just small i want to say cameos with like the roles that obviously weren't in the trailers that i did not see coming at all that end up becoming huge in the things and there's some actors that are huge actors that show up just like for one scene it's great um and there's a surprising amount of thomas the tank engine references in this movie that what? i was not expecting it's crazy you have to watch it if you're a thomas the tank engine fan what? you have to watch it just for that I grew up they, on Thomas the Tank Engine. I so have, you need to, I watch have it. to watch it now. Like, yeah. Do they make like Gordon and Island of Soda references, or is it like more subtle there is than a, that? There is a the a part a a subplot a part of the plot of the movie involves Thomas the Tank Engine stickers. That's that's the best way I can describe. That's it. crazy. It's nuts. I'm, it's I'm, absolutely nuts. I'm looking at this cast list too. I mean, Michael Shannon, Sandra Bullock. Bad Bunny, Zazie Beats, like, oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah there's a lot is... in there that I, I mean, I guess maybe I knew about them, but um, like Michael Shannon shows up and I didn't, didn't even clock that he was in this movie hmm. and he shows up as a character kind of halfway through. You're like, whoa, okay, that's that guy. I recognize him. Mm -hmm. Crazy, crazy, but really fun movie, you know, very bloody, very, a lot, a lot of language, all this kind of stuff. But, sure. um, yeah, it's definitely in the same vein of, as, you know, uh, Kingsman Secret Service. So um, I do recommend it. It's a bit long, I will admit. It's a bit long. It could have been Dude. shorter. It's, it's, it, you get to about, you know, the three quarters of the way you're through, you're like, you could wrap this up. You can wrap this up. But um, it does end well, okay? There's a lot of, a lot of stuff that happens. Brad Pitt's great in it, too. Dude, um, if you want to so, talk about long, I went and saw Killers of the Flower Moon. Oh, my goodness. I I I am so glad that we got like the luxury seats with the dine-in theater option 
because this is a three and a half hour film. Like straight up runtime of like three hours and 20, 26 minutes, something like that. And let me tell you, it is a great movie. It is a fantastic piece of cinema. Very well acted. It provides a lot of great insights on a piece of history that America would rather forget. And Scorsese brings it to light and exposes a lot of of really really terrible things that that um, statesmen did to the Native Americans like it, it does all of that but I really feel like it could have been done in three hours instead of 326 like I I still believe that Endgame could have had an intermission also so I, I don't want to be seen as one of those duplicitous people that says, oh, well, you can sit through a really long-ass Avengers Endgame or a Lord of the Rings film, but you can't sit through this. No, that's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying anything with a runtime over than three hours needs an intermission. They used to do it back in the day, freaking Gone with the Wind. Yeah, you know, My Fair Lady, The Sound of Music, like a lot of musicals. Oklahoma did it. Like there, why, there were there were tons modern of intermissions. Things like- like, you know, like, just go for it. Like, do it, you know, have an intermission. It's great. And, you know, I, I love that thing. And if you're watching a video, it becomes like this little thing of like, oh, now I, I can I can get up without pausing it. <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, yeah, do it. I don't know why. And they were like, the editor was like, they were like going after people because certain theaters were pausing the movie and giving up no intermission. They're like, no, you can't do that. I'm like, come yep. on. Yep, I remember that. I, I saw that in the news. I, I think Crazy. this movie definitely needs it, but it, it also is one of those ones that needs to be seen. So I, I don't know if you need to like run to the theater to go see it before it leaves the big screen or whatever, but I think if you have the opportunity to watch it, you probably should. Um, it's it's a very it's a very compelling um, his, historical. I, I don't know if it's a biopic or not or what you would call it, but it's it's historical fiction is probably the best way to put it. But it's rooted, it's deeply, deeply rooted in truth. And that's what makes it so powerful. Yeah, I've heard a lot of heard a lot of different opinions on it, especially hearing, it was interesting hearing from, from Native people and how they reacted to it. Um, but I think the general consensus is like, you know, it is very, it's, it's telling a story that needs to be told. Whether, whether you agree with how it was told or not, I think uh, a lot of that stuff is unfortunately swept, swept under the rug. People try to forget about it, and we don't. We need to, we need to, we need to raise it up and, and say, you know, if you don't learn from the past, that whole thing, um, you know, that's, that's important. So I'm glad, I'm glad Martin Scorsese told that story, and it sounds mm-hmm. really great. Mm-hmm. Okay, on to the main event, though. The, the topic of actual discussion, and unfortunately we don't have like an hour to uh, to talk about this, but hopefully, how, how long have you got? Have you got like maybe another 30 to 40 minutes? I've got as long as you've got. Okay. Um, it's 11 o'clock now. I would prefer to be done before midnight because... I got, I got, I got 45, 40-ish minutes. I, I think got, we can, we can knock this out. I got, I got stuff to do tomorrow. My wife's got stuff to do tomorrow. So we're, we're all, we're all working nine Man, to five. And I wish I didn't have anything to do tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, for real. Mondo has a new job. I don't know if you've heard about this from Mondo yet, but oh. um, our, our mutual buddy, he's got a job where he works until like six or six thirty in the evenings now, but he's only doing that four days a week and he gets Tuesdays off. Oh, 
That's nice. That lucky SOB gets to do a lot of stuff on Tuesdays that I wish I had the luxury of doing, but it is what it is. Okay, main topic is season two of Loki. Yeah. Season two of Loki. And for those of you who don't remember, we actually did a season one discussion of Loki back in uh, what was it, 2021? And um, I I really enjoyed the fifth, uh, I think it was the fourth and fifth episodes, and then kind of enjoyed the sixth episode, maybe not as much as I enjoyed the other ones. Um, but Journey into Mystery in season one uh, was, was such, such a fun episode, looking at all of the different types of Loki variants at the end of time, and particularly... Uh, Richard E. Grant playing a classic Loki, like I, it just felt like peak uh, comic television for me. And one thing that I will say, I don't know if I got that peak comic television vibe from this season. I don't know if that makes it bad, quote unquote, but this season definitely had a different feel than the first season did. Yeah, I see. Okay, just a little bit of background here. I season one, I think, was one of my favorite series, Disney Plus series. Period. Definitely, I think the best of the Marvel uh, lot we've had so That's far, fair. and especially in that fir- first thing, I think it was the best written show. Yeah. Um, it just it really was like from start to finish. It dragged a little bit in the middle, I think. But ultimately, it, it was had a great start. It was a great premise, and I was one of like a, a show about Loki. What are you really that? You're gonna do a show about that guy, and then totally proved me wrong, and, and yep. really just did a whole lot. Yeah. Um. So, I and it really stuck to landing. So, going to this, I was very hyped, and I still after finishing the 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 season finale just a couple of days ago, um, I'm still kind of conflicted about the season. I'm not sure how I feel about it totally. Right. Maybe I'll work through some of my feelings tonight. But um, I don't think I liked it nearly as much as, as the first season. Um, it's not bad by any means. It's almost, I find it like, it's the, the weird place of just like, either something is like, if something is terrible, then I almost feel better about it. Because I'm like, I can express myself. I can mm-hmm. express why I don't love this. Mm-hmm. But if something's just kind of middle of the road, I'm just like, I'm stuck I'm stuck feeling weird about this. That's mm-hmm. where I'm at with Loki. I, there's a lot of good in it. There's a lot of great. I think it ended very well. But there's some it kind of drug in the middle for me personally. There's some stuff that I'm not totally in agreement with. I think certain characters. I think, I think Sylvie took a backseat weirdly. I thought she was a great yeah. character. That she was yeah. someone who was right fun and center in the first time. It was kind of the two of them. Yeah. This season, she kind of took a backseat. I'm not sure how I feel about that. Um, but a lot of good character stuff with loki obviously a great character turn like just taking loki in and of himself brilliant so brilliant tom hiddleston hits it out of the park again i hope this is not the end for him because this is thing but also if it's the end for him it's kind of perfect so you know a lot of good in this season but a few things were just like eh, i'm not sure i feel about that um not my favorite and and, and uh kind of overall with the mcu lately it's just been kind of like some some good some good stuff and some ass stuff not anything really bad just like stuff i'm just not sure how i feel about 
Well, just looking at the IMDb scores, the second episode of season two, titled Breaking Brad, has a rating of 7.6 out of 10. Meanwhile, the season finale, Glorious Purpose, has a rating of 9.6 out of 10. And so I think you and I are not alone in this sense that this season feels like a bit of a mixed bag because a 76 in in school, like if you get a 76 out of 100, that's a C. (laughs) Yeah. But if you get a 96 out of 100, that's a freaking A+. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like... There are there are instances where they are really, really hitting it, and there are instances where they are really, really missing it. And so I, I don't think you're wrong in that assessment. And and I'm relieved to see that as the score um from from you know fellow IMDB raiders. I'm just not into Letterbox yet. I don't know if Letterbox has other scores for it yet, but I just I haven't been able to learn that system or or get super ingratiated in it yet. But I use I use Letterbox to rank stuff. I'll be like, here's all the movies I saw this year ranked, and it, it like puts them all in a very neat little little thing mm-hmm. that I can screenshot and share on social media. Other than that, I really don't get that much into it. Steven says, all the other people I talk to are in love with the show, but I'm not at the same hype level. See, I feel like I feel like we're the level-headed ones where we're looking at this going, I, I had some hopes. A few of those hopes were met, but not nearly as much as everybody else's hope levels were. I am personally not a fan of circular storytelling. I just, I, I find it somewhat lazy. I find it a cop-out in certain instances. I think I like the idea of somebody running out of time. And, and and I think I like it when, like, in Infinity War, for example, even if you're able to turn back time and, and try to do things again, things still don't go your way. But by the time we get to the second half of the season... Loki is essentially trying to manipulate time in such a way that he can basically just go back an infinite number of times. And if he doesn't get it right the first time, maybe he'll get it right the 276th time. And like, it felt kind of lazy to me. Like, if if you're going to run out of opportunities, you just need to let those opportunities run out. And there wasn't any sense of peril. There wasn't any sense of doom. There wasn't any sense of, oh, time has run out on our heroes, which is something that you get. Maybe maybe that's just too tropey for this show. I don't know. But I just, I guess I didn't, I didn't feel worried about our characters in this season the way I did in the first one. Yeah, that, I mean, okay, on one hand, on one hand, I guess spoiler alert for for those of you who may not have seen season two in its entirety, Um, which was, what are you doing here at this point? Um, But um, like the power that that Loki gets near the end where he can basically control time is badass. It's badass. Like just the whole thing, especially what he does in the finale and he's, he's messing with he who remains and he's like, you know, holding up his finger and being able to stop time and stuff like that. Like that's so badass. And I love that he got that power, but you know, also it is kind of a cheat. <laughs> it is just like 
the whole thing with just like him getting there and being like, well, how much time would it take for me to learn all the physics of this? And it's like centuries later, <laughs> he just goes and learns all this stuff to figure it out and make it all work. Um, but still doesn't really help him in the end. It really it comes into this thing of he's still stuck, kind of that Infinity War thing, in-game thing of just like, yes, they they crack time travel, but it's still it fixed one problem and then created several more. Um, so I guess it kind of fixes itself and things. I definitely see your point of just like it's you know it is kind of a cheat. It's it's a little bit lazy, I suppose. But I do like that for Loki. I like that he has that power. I'm curious if he does show up again. You know, this guy is extremely powerful. He's god of time, I guess. Now is that the thing? Um, that's interesting. How is that going to play into everything? So, uh, according to some of the articles that I'm reading, I'm going to do one from thedirect.com, and I'm going to reference another one from Cosmo. Um, in the comics series, I haven't been following the comics. You know me. I, I watch the movies and I try to gain context what I can from the internet, but diving into the comics is just not something I've had a whole lot of time for recently. Same. Um, but from from what I'm learning is there's a storyline where the comics Loki actually learns how to um, become what is known as the god of stories. And that's that's what what he is now is he is able to harness what is going on in these different strands of time and is able to give people that free will that they talk about in the show to write their own stories. So I'm I'm trying to see if I can find the the quote exactly that um, I think I thought it was from Cosmo, but. I'm I'm riffing and not finding what I'm looking for. <laughs> yeah, no, that that sounds. I mean, and that's very comics. That's very Marvel comics of just like there's very few things. There's very few crazy ideas that Marvel comics has not covered at this point. There's so many things. There's so much history there. There's what. 60 70 years of Marvel comics mm -hmm. that go back that you know they've kind of tried everything and that's why the movies generally get it right because they've had time to kind of like test this stuff and go like well you know this is crazy but people liked it in the comics we tested it out and we liked it so here's you know here's alligator loki because that's a thing from the comics and mm -hmm. you know that's that's the kind of crazy stuff that they can get away with it and people are usually like really enthused about like oh my god they got this thing from the comics and they took it directly from it and didn't change anything about it you know that's the whole thing um but ultimately you know it is you're dealing with just insane uh, ideas and stuff like that here it is i found it it's on the direct.com link i was looking at the article from cosmo Comic fans could note the similarities to the comic book storyline. There, Loki found himself outside of the multiverse entirely, and following its destruction and rebirth, became the god of stories to preserve the tales of those who had lived before. Okay. All of this ties back to how he is burdened with glorious purpose, which is something that he established back in the first Avengers movie. Loki believed that he had a glorious purpose with the invasion of New York City, before having that question by Mobius in the Loki season one premiere. After he reassesses his own glorious purpose over the course of these two seasons and revisits it again in the season two finale, the circular nature of Loki finding a new glorious purpose in protecting 
the multiverse is a fitting end for the Asgardian god. So, yeah, I mean, I, I get the, the glorious purpose, and I truly do believe that preserving the multiverse is a glorious purpose. And then being able to shape those multiverse strands into a tree that is designed to protect or, or represent um, the, the, the tree um, Yggdrasil. Which oh, is which is a name for it, eh? it, it it's well um it's actually something that Thor references in the first Thor movie when he's trying to explain the combination of of science and religion to Jane um there is a a tree of life in Asgardian and Nordic mythology that weaves life together throughout the planet and so when he is weaving those different strands of the multiverse together around his throne it ends up forming a tree-like structure that a lot of people are akinning to the um, Nordic mythology tree, Yggdrasil. Okay. So, again, from that storytelling perspective, it is very deep. It is very fascinating. And I am interested to see what happens now, especially with Jonathan Majors being under such scrutiny. Um, Are we going to see Loki becoming you know, that that big bad again, or is he going to be the guy that ends up saving everything from all of those Kang variants that are in those different multiverse strands? Like, there's a lot of potential for where his character could go if they want to bring him back, but they could also just leave him there. They could also just say, this is it. This is, this is Loki's fate. This is his destiny. This is who he is now. We're done. And... The, the creators of the show have even said that they're looking to do like a Better Call Saul equivalent where it's not necessarily Loki season three, but it's a continuation of stuff in the Loki universe, kind of like what they did with Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad. Okay. So it's kind of up in the air about whether Hiddleston's going to come back or not. Do you see him coming back? Do you want him to come back? Or are you satisfied if this is the conclusion of his story? On one hand... I like, I think this is a pretty satisfying ending. And I think leaving him here, we could never see him again. And it would be all right with me. I think it would be well enough. Um, I know well enough of the way franchises work that Tom, Tom Hiddleston is not going <laughs> away Holland. forever. Tom Holland. Tom Holland also will will be Spider-Man until he's 80. Like, you know, and he's almost, I think he said this much. But like any of these guys, like, no matter how much you kill them, no matter how much they say they're never coming back, there's always freaking Jane Foster, Natalie Portman. Like, I never thought she'd come back. And they did a Thor movie with her front and center. Like, you know, it's, it's, nothing is impossible under the sun. Um, Tom Hiddleston will be back. And I think, I'm excited for like the idea of, you know, Loki coming back in contact with the original Avengers team or a new Avengers team or four or any of those guys and seeing the progress in me. I think it's really interesting the 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 what he's become as a character going from this, you know, not just what he becomes in in Infinity War, which is pretty heroic. Not kind of selfish, but also you know, in a Loki way, heroic in, in Infinity War, standing up against Thanos and trying to do the right thing. Um, this is 
from Avengers Loki. This is where he starts, and then going from this immense hero's journey to becoming seemingly the god of time and and you know protecting all of existence, every existence in every multiverse, um, is something that I think it would be interesting to see him interface with other characters. Um, and I feel like he would have a part to play in Kang Dynasty and Secret Wars. So I really look forward to that. Um, if he sits those out, then, you know, that's a shame. But I think he'll be back at some point. For crying out loud, they're already talking about, like, oh, what if Robert Jr. Jr. came back? And like, you know, I, I'm not sure I believe that, but it's probably going to happen. They're, they're, they can't they can't not go back to the well occasionally. The, the need for cameos and uh, for more um, just returning acts is, is always going to be there. So I'm going to present a theory to you that I saw on YouTube today while I was looking at other people's opinions to try to gather my own. And it's going to be a little convoluted, so I need you to bear with me, okay? I love convoluted. You know the Kang from Ant-Man and the Wasp. Correct. You know that he was exiled by the Council of Kangs. Right. Because he presented possibly the greatest threat to the Council of Kangs, which is why they exiled him. He ends up in like a quantum vortex at the end of the film. But we don't actually necessarily, quote unquote, witness his demise. The working theory is, well, at least from this particular channel. I don't even remember what channel it was. I was browsing through a bunch of them. The working theory from this channel is that he who remains is the Ant-Man and the Wasp variant of the Kangs. And in its all-moving, circular, wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey nature, he ends up becoming he who remains because Loki helps him. So if if I if I remember correctly, the the Loki that we see at the end of season two intervenes yeah. by assisting that particular Kang variant because he is the only one powerful enough to um, to defeat the Council of Kangs in the Kang Dynasty and in Secret Wars. Right. So Loki allows that Quantumania Kang to assist him in defeating the Council in order to preserve the multiverse. But in doing so, that Kang becomes powerful enough to reach his tendrils to the end of time and become he who remains. He who remains establishes the sacred timeline, kicks Loki off of his throne, and eliminates the Council of Kangs by creating that sacred timeline and being the last being on Earth. Yeah, yeah. But but then time is circular. It's a loop. It comes back around. And in the season one finale, he talks about how he paved the road. And he also talked about how he has gone by many names, including Conqueror. The, the theory posits that 
he knows that he is going to unseat Loki to become he who remains. Therefore, as part of the circle, as part of the cycle, he needs to pave the road for Loki to usurp him at this point in quote-unquote time so that when the time comes for his Kang variant from the quantum realm to show up, Loki is in place because he who remains put him there. Does that make sense? I think so. I think so. I, I like the... I agree with the cyclical nature of this. Of just like, you know, and that's another thing that that Kang, he remains, whatever you want to call it, all, all the same here. Mm-hmm. Um, he talks about in the season one finale of just like, you know, this this thing of oh, you know, here here you have a choice, but it really isn't a choice because he's saying, you know, you let me live and you know whatever, and I stay here or. You you kill me and you start another universal war and I end up right back where I started from. Right. <laughs> you know it's, he he says he basically is is talking about the cyclical nature of his own existence and also time itself. Right. Of this this whole thing just coming back in a loop, and then that comes back in the season one season two finale obviously because them realizing that you know they he has to come back and and make that choice again right. and then. But then you have the whole thing with it's clear that he who remains has been around the block a few times. Mm -hmm. He's experienced a lot. Yep. And I could see him being, you know, even if he's not technically that Kang variant, um, he is one of them and he's one that's been around and he's clearly not a good guy. He's clearly someone who's who's been around and probably seen a lot of stuff and done a lot of really bad stuff, and he's just kind of like omnipresent now. He just kind of sat back and just has accepted it all and and is not things and is very blasé about all of it. Um, so I'm, yeah, that's that's the whole thing and what they do with Kang in the future. I know there's a lot of stuff going on with Jonathan Majors and all the controversy there. I don't know where they're gonna going to go with this. I, I do hope that they, because I know there's there's the rumor. I think it was literally out to like today or yesterday. It was just like, oh, they're gonna, they're gonna, you know, they're gonna swap Kang for a Doctor Doom or something like that. We're not gonna get more Kang. Like I, I I hope they don't do that. You know, if if they don't want Jonathan Majors in the role, then fair enough. But um, I hope that they choose another actor and keep going because I think there's some really interesting stuff they set up here. I think, you know, there's stuff going on in Loki that's like, okay, we're there, there's more stuff going on. They're literally hunting Kangs now. That's part of their job now. So, you know, what, um, where could go next? I think there's a lot of interesting possibilities. I, I think what's scary for me is that the reason that he who remains created the sacred timeline is because the TVA wasn't strong enough to fight these Kangs. And, and that's why he had just eliminated them yeah. and wiped their memories is so that they wouldn't have the PTSD from the war. They wouldn't have the memories of all the times that, you know, their their guardians, their their keepers of time failed. Like he he establishes all of these fail safes. I mean, even even the temporal loom itself was a fail safe. And he's he's just got too many backup plans, and he's got too many ways to preserve himself to think that Kang isn't 
going to come back. And it's just a matter of if and when and how. Like, I mean, not not if, but it's when and how. It's not if. Because there, there's, there's just too many ways for him to reappear to think that this is the end of Kang just because Loki is sitting on the throne of time now. I'm not saying this will happen, but being there's a strong possibility that the end of Secret Wars could end, or the end of Kang Dynasty, or whatever it, this actually ends, it could end with, oh, it's he who remains back on the throne. And, yes, that's you know, exactly it. Then nothing has changed, because that's what he said. Is he, but ultimately, is he right? I don't think he's completely right. I think the, the Avengers probably will figure out some other plan to to fix things and make it so he's not in control. Maybe maybe Loki being where he is will help that. Um, but, you know, there is this whole thing of, you know, the realization that Loki goes through in this series going like, okay, we got to go kill Kang. We got to go kill Human Remains, the Timekeepers, whatever else, then getting there and then having the second thoughts of like, yeah, it's bad, but it could be worse. And it's a very, it's a very real thing to come up with. I guess of just like, no matter how bad something can be, it can always be worse. You can always make it worse. And one of the best lines in the whole series, one of the best lines in Marvel history, I think, the best lines definitely this year in this in this particular scene is Loki and Sylvie's conversation partway through the series, and it's. Because Sylvie is just all about burning the TVA, burning everything down, just taking it all down. And you understand from her point of view, it is. You, you understand why. But he says, like, I forget the quote exactly, but it's basically, you know, burning something down is easy. Destroying it is easy. Fixing something is hard. Hope is hard. I love yeah. that. I love the idea. Yeah. Of just like, yeah, we live in a world where people just want to destroy things. They get angry. They want to just this thing doesn't work just throw it away it's not how you you have to fix things you have to take the time you have to build you have to have hope you have to really think about it and really try try and do something as opposed to just burning it all down and hoping for the best well but i I love one of the other lines too where i i'm paraphrasing as well but he says something to the effect of what what good is free will if everyone's dead like yeah. it's it's very grounded in the sense that you know is it is it better to have one universe and one timeline so that something survives or is it better to risk everything so that people have the free will to decide what the outcome of their life is going to be and it's it's a tough question and 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 what's funny is like in the first avengers movie he's bragging to the hulk about how he's a god and here in this series he actually is playing God, essentially. Yeah. And and has to like try to determine the fate of not just one universe, but multiples. And it's it's really cool to see the various insights that come in from different people because he has great conversations with Sylvie, but he has great conversations with Mobius as well. Cause one of my personal favorite lines is that most purpose is more burden than glory. Mobius says that to him, I think, in the finale. And it's it's like a, a new take on an old trope of glorious purpose. Well, yeah, you may get a little bit of glory, but the rest of it's kind of hell. Yeah, exactly. Um, let's, let's talk about one of the newcomers before 
we uh, we give our overall thoughts. Yeah. Kihi Kwan as OB. Yay or nay? A huge yay. This is brilliant casting, brilliant character. Um, I think um, very much, uh, you know, in uh, I'm I'm for the Kihi Kihi Kwan renaissance that we've been having lately. Um, I think we all have. Um, but um, yeah, I just uh, love this this quirky guy who was seemingly always there. We just didn't see him in season one. And um, yeah, a lot of great lines and things like the the very last shot of him <laughs> is you know he's there with the uh, with her and and she's like oh you know miss minute shows up and like oh well she you know and he's like not kill us all and he's like shrug he's like i don't know <laughs> so um that guy has charisma so much and um yeah i i i'm glad we still have the tva and he's still around so there's um there's um there's hope that we could see him some more and get some interesting stuff I am a huge fan of Kihi Kwan, and and I am like you, super super excited at his return to popularity. And yes, there is definitely some charisma to his character that commands attention to a certain extent. I guess I'm just a little more torn on the way his character was written. the The way it was written. He executes perfectly. I have no problems with with his acting at all. He was great. I think the concern that I have is the, with the way that his character was written and presented. Because there are times that he's super charismatic. And then there are times that he's just kind of annoying. And then there are times where he's he's got it all together. And then there are times that he's freaking out. And there are times that he's like super smart. And then other times where he's just like... I have no idea. And I guess I didn't see it as a dynamic character. I saw it as a conflicted character where maybe OB himself wasn't conflicted, but maybe the writing staff was conflicted on how to present him, if that makes sense. Yeah. And so I I think I would have preferred a little more consistency in his character, especially considering how old he is and how long he's been a part of the TVA. Like, I guess it was, it was cute to have like some comic relief. Um, this show definitely needs it. You don't really get it a whole lot or as much from, uh, somebody like Mobius who's who's very serious in this season. So you, you do need that comedic relief. I just, I guess I feel like it could have been timed or paced a little bit better. But for what they gave Kihi Kwan as the character, I think he he did it exactly the way they wanted him to. And so for that, I'm happy for him. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think it's fair. And uh yeah, I'm I'm just hopeful for the future. I hope they I hope this isn't a one and done thing. I think uh he's very talented and and showed some I think showed some range um in this like like he did in everything everywhere all at once um as well, opposed to you the... know showing some different different character different different types of characters with his you know his multiverse self yeah yeah his 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 fifth episode character i think it was doug is what they said in the in the credits he's a theoretical physicist and a and a writer 
And so, like, that part of him, I think I enjoyed more than the TVA's OB. I, I don't know. A part of it also is I watched bits and pieces of, of this show when it was kind of late or on a day when I was trying to go without caffeine and I might have fallen asleep during one of the episodes <laughs> through no fault of my own. Not because it's boring, but just because when you go without caffeine after being chemically addicted to it, um, it's not it's not a great recipe for success. Um, but I, I don't I don't think that takes away from my overall interpretation of this season um it starts slow but i mean the first few episodes of season one of loki started kind of slow too lest we forget and so it's it's hard to be over judgmental because i mean i don't think we even see sylvie until like what the third episode or something like that that does sound right I think we don't see her until maybe well, the, maybe I, the I, end of the second episode into the third one or something like that. So, like there 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 were there was a post credit scene I think in the first episode I think. Oh, okay, but it's a post credit scene. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so there there's very little of of who she is and and what the driving point of the first season story is um, until much later, and I think this one is is guilty of that as well heart of the tva episode four science slash fiction episode five and glorious purpose episode six very solid very good episodes but ouroboros breaking brad and 1893 are all 8.3 stars out of 10 or below um for for this season and so yeah it, it could be like one of those tale of two halves type of situation where the first half not so great second half it gets better i just i wish stuff wasn't such a mixed bag especially from how much fun we had with season one of loki to now be conflicted about it on season two i just i i I still don't know what to think we've been talking about it for almost an hour and i still don't know how I'm supposed to feel because yeah, it's, it's got some good moments and it's got some not so good moments. I will, I will brag on, I think my, my favorite part of the season was 1893. I think that was the best episode for me. Um, just, I just, it kind of felt like classic Loki to me and it's just a great episode. I think the the world building, just like going through this piece of history, um, obviously something real mixed with a lot of fake stuff. Um, and you know, bringing in Victor timely, like, look, we can talk a lot about Jonathan majors. There's a lot of allegations and stuff being said and whatever else, innocent, guilty. I don't know. Can't possibly make a judgment call on that, but I will say putting all that aside, the guy can act. Okay, I totally see why he was chosen for this role because he's brilliant in this show, and and this show highlights why he was picked for that role. Whether he should mm. continue at playing this character is up to the heads of Marvel and the court of public opinion. But um, you know, the character of Victor Timely, I loved. I love that, and, and that episode kind of everything comes together. 
Sylvie shows up, Red Slayer shows up. It's this thing, and there's a lot of good twists and whatever else. And just the world building of the Chicago World's Fair, this backdrop, how they recreate this real piece of history. Brilliant. So that was my really a highlight of the season for me. Um, and there was some other stuff that I think it had some moments, you know, yes, going to 1980s McDonald's is pretty cool, pretty cool. But, um, other than that, I, I think it was uh, overall a kind of a mixed bag of a season that had some really good episodes, some so, so episodes ended strong, but ultimately didn't like it as much as the first season. So I'm, I'm going to present that. 1893 from from a different point of view i'm going to approach it just a, a little differently um i i i too had some really good impressions on the episode um mostly from a costuming and set design point of view very impressive very very impressive probably the most impressive of the whole season what i guess i didn't care for and i guess it doesn't count technically as a bottle episode because there's a lot of different um sets and different pieces even though it's all set at the world's fair bottle episode is usually like in one room um speaking but it did have components of a bottle episode to me because very little of the actual story progresses forward and when it does it's like in the final couple of minutes and I could basically recap that episode to my wife in like two or three minutes. Like it's it's almost an hour long of an episode. And all of the important stuff that takes place, I can I can recap and get her up to speed and we can watch the next episode after I describe it in two or three minutes. Yeah. Also, the second episode, I thought I was crazy. But then I started seeing other people saying that, and I realized I wasn't crazy. The second episode is confusing. It is, yeah, like throws you in. And I think the problem is, is that it kind of assumes that you know who Brad is. Yeah. And then it kind of like they just start talking to him and like, oh, he's this great hunter, whatever else. He's only from the first episode. This is an established character. It's just someone that they introduced kind of in the background in the first episode and the next thing you know he's done all this and they don't explain it very well i think that was a misstep i think that genuinely like was a bad aspect of the season and i was like i was like did i miss something did i miss an episode because it was just weird and then i saw the comments of people going like wait did i i saw like i was like watching reactions people were like i don't know what's going on i'm like i feel exactly the same way because generally speaking i'm i just blame it on myself if i'm confused <laughs> but um that was an aspect and I'm like, no, I think, I think the writers actually dropped the ball here. Yeah. And the, the idea that the, the variants want a real life in one of the, in one of the timelines is a very weird motivation because up until that point, you know, Mobius had, had no desire B-15 saw her life but really didn't want to go back to it. Um, there, there are so many instances of, you know, seeing it or having the opportunity to see it and choosing not to. And now this guy's just like, oh, I want to go be a movie star. Like, 
I don't know. I don't know. Wasn't wasn't a fan of that either. So I'm I'm not going to be one of those apologists that stands up on a pedestal saying you all need to watch Loki season 2. It's the greatest thing ever. It's so amazing. I I do think it's a solid continuation of season 1, but I don't think it's like amazing. I don't think it's better than season 1 by any stretch of the imagination. And I I while I do enjoy the finale, I think it ended up giving me more questions than it gave me answers. And if this is it for Tom Hiddleston as Loki, I don't think I'm a fan of them leaving me with more questions that are never going to get answered. Yeah, I I don't think this was the... I mean, obviously, like... See, again, I'm conflicted. I, I have so many thoughts. Because, like, from a character, just taking... Remove everything else, just the character progression of Loki, I liked. I think that was excellent. I think where Loki starts in the season and where he ends up at the end of the season is is magnificent. It is great. And I feel satisfied from that perspective. But um, I'm with you in the sense that, like, you know, I'm not fully on board with this. Like, I've, I've seen the memes. People are already posting the memes of just, like, the, the, the picture of season one and season two with the flaming horse. <laughs> and it's just like, you know, oh, it's a masterpiece. And I'm just like, I look – I know no shade. I'm not, I'm not one of these people that's like wants to dunk on people for enjoying things on the internet. Cause so many people do nowadays. You know, if you enjoyed it, that's great. It's just not, that's not my bag. I'm not, I'm not seeing the praises of season two. I liked it, but it wasn't, it wasn't my cup of tea this time around. And you know, maybe that's just me, but I don't think it's just me because I think I'm having a discussion with you and you're having some of the same issues. And um, a lot of people um, around I've heard have similar issues. So, you know, it's just one of those things. It's, it's, you know, it's, I, I didn't even expect it to be the season two. So, I mean, I guess, you know, the fact that we got one great season is great in season two being as what it is, but, um, doesn't seem like they're going to be a season three. The Breaking Bad idea sounds interesting, but um, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hold my breath. One thing that I that I did really like was the Jurassic Park references, because when Miss Minutes locks everybody out of the system, she pops up and kind of wiggles her fingers around, and she goes uh uh uh, just like Dennis I does. I noticed that. I noticed that. And the way that they ended up bypassing it was by shutting down the system and rebooting it. <laughs> That's literally what they do in Jurassic Park. So that was probably like the best part for me was just Miss Minutes popping up because she was Mr. DNA in season one. So it, it's it's very obvious that like in the first episode, she's serving as the narrator, getting you caught up on the story, just like Dr. or not Dr. but Mr. DNA does in Jurassic Park. And then here in season two, she locks everybody out of the system by doing a Dennis ah-ah-ah. So whoever is like the creative behind this show that is like super in love with Jurassic Park, I applaud your subtle integrations. Yeah, that was that was a well, well executed um, thing there. Very well done. But if that was the most well executed part of the show, then we've got other issues, but... <laughs> Unfortunately, we just may not have time to cover all of that. So I'm sure, sure. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go into um, final thoughts and our rating on season two as a whole out of ten. Yeah, if you're, if you're open to it. 
I'm game. Um, I like Tom Hiddleston. I like the fact that his character has evolved from being a, a loner god of mischief to being somebody that's trying to save his friends. He actually has friends. There are some very redeeming qualities from this season and from this story. And Tom Hiddleston is the one that carries you to that point. Without his performance, this show just tanks even further. He carries it. His back must hurt from how much he's carrying it. And I I am so, so impressed. I'm continually impressed by his acting prowess and how much he embraces the character of Loki. In the finale, he improvised the line I read online, that he improvised that line for all of us for all time, which is the line that he uses when he is holding Odin's hand at the end of the first Thor movie. And so, like, even down to the writing, he cares enough about the character that he's going to bring back a line that he used 13 years ago, which is great. And so, in looking at the greatness of it, I, I applaud his attention to detail, his execution of the storyline, his way of bringing about growth and development to Loki's character. While in the same breath, I also have to look at this and go, story could have been better. The way it was told could have been better. The supporting cast could have been given different proportions of screen time in order to execute their abilities better. Like you mentioned, Sylvie was underused. I thought that OB was overused. Uh, Timely was probably a bit underused in the last two episodes. And so... I I just feel like it could have been better crafted. It could have been better constructed. And I guess I'm I'm disappointed that it wasn't able to land the plane as well as they were probably expecting it to. I don't remember what rating I gave to Loki season one, but I want to say it was in the ballpark of an 8 to an 8.5. And I don't think that this season is as good as season one. So... I'm probably going to give season two a seven out of ten. Maybe a six and a half. Yeah, that's, um, I think that's fair. I'm trying to think of, I'm trying to, I'm trying to to weigh this out in my head. Because like I said, I did not, not in any stretch of the imagination did I hate this show. Or hate this season. That I was, I very much enjoy it. But I'm not like jumping up and down about it like I was with the first season. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of pluses. As you said, Tom Hiddleston's performance is great. Everybody's performance. Owen Wilson, you know, Eugene Corden, like everyone, like they're all great. I love that, um, you know, I love that some characters that didn't get a lot of play in the first season, um, you know, got some more play. Casey is one of them that did really, which is kind of one bit in the first season got things. I like that we get more facts, right? I love the second to last episode. You're getting things, seeing that, you know, Casey was this, you know, this real life person who escaped Alcatraz, all this kind of stuff. Finally getting the revelation on you know mobius and his uh you know jet ski obsession you know all that kind of stuff it's really good good stuff 
Um, but again, as I talked about with the whole, the Brad thing was confusing and not well put together. Um, I think the seasons did drag a little bit. I thought Sylvie's character was underused. And I think she was a standout in season one. I feel like she just didn't get a lot to do this season. Um, and you know, just Loki himself, I think was really, really great in all ways. He's always been an enjoyable character, but this, this show really made him so much better, so much more interesting. And especially in that last episode, I think it was a great ending for him. So I think I'm going to give this a 7.5. I think I liked it slightly more than you, <laughs> but not all that much. It sounds and like... I think I enjoyed it, but I'm not in love with it. And a lot of people are. So I think a 7.5 probably illustrates my kind of like, I enjoyed it, but it wasn't, it wasn't, I would give the first season probably a 9.5, probably. Um, I think it was near perfect. Well, I, um, <clears throat> Steven says, kind of inoffensive, yet kind of unexciting. That's, that's probably. Good way to put it. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't I don't think it really pushed the envelope that much. When it comes to like time travel and and its complexities, I think there are plenty of other movies and shows and such that have done better like Doctor Who or something. Right. And and so um I don't think it it breaks any barriers. I don't think it does anything stellar or amazing with helping us explore those different conceptions. Um, and so I think a seven out of 10 is fair. That's pretty much in the ballpark of what we're giving it. I'm giving it around a six and a half to a seven. Steven's giving it a seven. Ben's giving it a seven and a half. I think all of it is, um, it, the, the writing and the storytelling is very mid, which sucks because the, the visual component and the set pieces and the costume design and all that sort of stuff was all very well done. And so the, the duplicity of that is unfortunate because I think the show deserves better. Yeah. And I agree with Steven also says in the chat, visually it looks good, at least compared to other superhero stuff. I think that's something that a lot of superhero genre is riddled with a lot of sometimes shoddy visuals. Cough flash. Um, that, um, you know, you, you, some it's a really hit or miss. The show was never, I think visually it always stuck to landing. It was brilliantly everything from the cosmic TVA stuff to the grounded 1893 stuff. Like it was really, really down. They, the production design, everything was stellar. I can agree to that. I, I can agree to that. Looking at the different branches of the timelines, trying to go through the temporal loom and the way time and reality kind of turns into strings it's almost like it's touching on string theory a little bit um but the way they kind of become spaghetti and the way they dissolve and things like that like yeah yeah it's it's it is visually gripping i just wish that the visuals would match the storytelling and i guess in several cases this season it it did not line up properly true well uh, in spite of the abbreviated type of discussion we did, I think it was very enlightening that uh, you and I still ended up coming away with very similar thoughts, even though um, 
I thought I was going to come into this being a Debbie Downer. It turns out we're on the same page yet again. Surprise, surprise. Well, you know, I, 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 um, I'm glad we're like, I mean, I guess it's better than uh, saying, oh, it was it sucked. It was the worst thing I've ever seen. Like, nah, we ain't saying that. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, we're just not as, uh, on the hype train as a lot of the people. Um, so, uh, and I don't think, uh, you know, it's, it, it, it sucks sometimes, but there's, there's more stuff to come. Like a thing I saw today, I really really liked which was the marvels and maybe we'll talk about that at some point maybe uh i haven't aside from killers of the flower moon i think i've been to the movie theater like once in the last four or five months so all like here here's 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 my review of the marvels really quick before we close um go see it because ultimate tragedy is not like the fact that it's not making enough money that it's not being watched enough you know marvel's gonna be fine disney's gonna be fine the loss of that money is not going to hurt them. But the people that are not watching this, they're missing out because I, it's genuinely like it's a fun, good movie. Not the best Marvel movie ever. It's just a fun, good movie with some surprises that I think you – I didn't see coming that I'm very glad that I didn't get spoiled on. Um, so if you haven't seen it yet, go see it before you get spoiled and uh, definitely give it a shot because it, it deserves to be seen in the theater too. Okay. Well, I mean, I've got my AMC A list, and I've got uh, a movie pass to go. the to the theater down the street, so um, it's not going to cost me anything but my time. So we'll uh, that's not bad. We'll see what happens. I, I don't even know when we're doing a December episode or if we're doing a December episode because our schedules are just so dang busy. <laughs> well, but, we'll we'll figure something out. Maybe maybe we'll just do like one of those those chat things where I'll just like send you like a, a five minute voicemail and you send me one and then we'll just stitch it together. Yeah. I mean, I, I I've, I've talked about doing that with, um, with Sean over at Phantom Empire where we just do like voice memos, uh, on Facebook and then we just kind of like, you know, record them and piecemeal them together. Or maybe I do like a screen recording and I just hit play on those different things back and forth and people can just listen to us jibber jabber from Facebook or something. I don't even know. But um got an idea there. Who knows? Who knows what could happen? We'll be in touch about that. And of course, uh regardless, we'll have a, a January episode where we talk about what movies we're looking forward to in twenty twenty four because we're actually gonna have movies to look forward to in twenty twenty four. So it's that's a tradition. We always do that. Except a couple of years ago when there wasn't when any there was literally in the nothing to watch. Yeah. Um so um but we're doing it things are semi-normal now so we'll definitely be doing that well we're looking forward to all that but i know that you all have been looking forward to this one particular segment that we've got to use before we call it a night and i know we're running close to the deadline i was giving but i think we can land the plane pretty properly as we bring it back to talk about food one last time it won't be quite as long since we talked about food a lot during the middle segment there but we have to do this segment. We do it every episode. I don't think there's been an episode. If we've done 367, and I want to say like 364, maybe 365 of them, we've done this segment. So we're going to do it again. Get out your hashtags, folks. And I know there's still two profiles in the chat. So whoever you second person is that's in there with Steven, get in there, put it in the chat, put it on socials so that we can see it. We do check them. We haven't done an update on those recently. Maybe we should. But it is time once again for hashtag bbq watch barbecue 
barbecue. Barbecue! Barbecue! Ben, you hopped in there and added to the chat. Are you the other profile that's listening? I mean, maybe. <laughs> I'm not actually listening. I have the, the stream paused because, you know, I'm here and it would be weird. Um, but also, I don't want that drag on my bandwidth. Um, right. But maybe so. Does it count just being here and not listening? I, Does it count me? <laughs> I, I don't know. It's possible. I just, I'm just here for the chat, okay? Okay. I don't want to listen to what they're saying. I just want to, I just want to watch the chat. Right. Well, we talked about it earlier, and I'm going to send you a picture um, I hope I saved it. Did I save it to my photo reel? I hope I did. I don't think I did. Okay. Um, my dad is in charge of the turkey, and our family members are in charge of the sides. My dad got a new smoker grill that uses gravity and uh, wood, so, um, special wood pellets to help prepare your meat. It looks like a grill, but it's actually a smoker. And Interesting. And he has been smoking meats this fall. That's been his hobby. And he has taken it upon himself to smoke the turkey for Thanksgiving this year. And he did a test run. He did like a test turkey this week in order to make sure he got it right for Thanksgiving. And let me tell you something. It looks so good, it didn't even look like a real turkey. That's how good this thing looked. It looked like one of those things you see on TV because it's just it's so evenly browned and then you pull the drumstick to the side and you can see the meat in there as well and you could smell it. Like when I dropped my brother off from school, you could smell how good it was from the other side of the house. And I'm sure it was wafting to other people's houses as well. We're going to make all of the neighbors jealous with this smoked turkey this year. Because if it tastes as good as it looks, it's going to be a mouthgasm. It does. It looks quite delicious. And that's a very nice setup. Very nice smoker. And uh, I think you guys are going to have... I think he's going to have a lot of fun with it. You guys are going to have a lot of good eating because... As I've mentioned, um, I've had a lot of smoked turkeys in my day um, uh, back at the restaurant. We do quite a few. Can't do as many as we used to, but you know we will do for customers like that and, and for occasionally for family get-togethers. Um, a, lot, a lot of smoked food around the house, um, and uh, it's always good. It's really good. Um, so it's uh, – yeah, it's, you guys are really going to enjoy that. Well – I'm looking forward to that, and I hope that you're looking forward to your Thanksgiving this year. Any any particular plans? Anything special you're going to be doing for this holiday? Um, I think we're going to be doing a little bit of traveling over the Thanksgiving weekend. Um, where to? I don't know because I I am not involved with the trip planning. Okay, I just go on the trips. I just you, I just get in the car. You just pack and, and then go along for the ride. Yeah, so uh, I'll let you know when I come back where I've where I've been. 
or you just watch my Instagram, you'll see. Yeah, that's a good segue. How can we keep up with your exploits if you're traveling or doing other stuff? Well, yeah, most I usually, if I post on Instagram, it's usually because I'm traveling and I've been someplace that I haven't been before. Or if I did some crazy skit on the Star Wars Marvel podcast, which I did this week, this last week, because we're back. We're doing that. Um, plug at the SWU. Um, but yeah, follow me at Ben Hart with no E um, on Instagram, on Twitter. I'm not – look, I'm not really plugging Twitter anymore. Let's just be honest, OK? I'm kind of over it. Um, so I'm not really tweeting much anymore, but I am posting on Facebook. I'm posting on Instagram. And I'm posting on Threads because Threads is kind of crazy and coming up in the world, and it's kind of fun. So go, go follow me over there. Um, and then also follow at Culture Slate for all your pop culture news needs and all kinds of stuff. We do – and I do mean literally everything. We're, we've got a massive team of very uh, creative and amazing, amazing people that are working on all kinds of stuff. So definitely go check out at Culture Slate on all the socials, YouTube, you name it. You, you were talking about all the different projects you were working on during the outro for our trivia night over at Phantom Empire. And I was like, my gosh, I thought I was doing a lot. This man, <laughs> when does he sleep? Um, in about five minutes. That's when I sleep. <laughs> yep. Maybe three if I can get us out of here on time. But uh, you can follow me at Zach the Voice, Z-A-C-H the Voice, on pretty much any social. It's uh, it's threads, it's TikTok, it's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You look for that username pretty much anywhere. You're going to find me there. Um, I do post on some more than others. Um, that's just the reality of it. I can't be super consistent on all of them. I wish I could, but I can't. So just try to follow me on as many of them as you can and keep up with what's going on. And we'll be back in a month for another episode of the IPC podcast. It might be a pop-up. It might be a special. It might be a condensed, abbreviated version. But uh, we will be back for more Intergalactic Peace Coalition podcasts. You can find us on Podbean for our full library, ipcpodcast.podbean.com. And if you want some IPC-related swag, you can find it at teepublic.com slash user slash IPC podcast. Be sure to hit the heart button if you're tuning in on Mixler. Be sure to like and subscribe and leave a review on all your other podcatcher platforms. But Ben, unless you have any other thoughts, I think we can call it a night. Yeah, this has been great. And guys, thank you so much for tuning in. And uh, it's been a pleasure. And we'll hopefully talk to you next month well that's going to do it for the 367th episode of the ipc podcast thanks so much for tuning in for ben hart i'm zach arnold signing off for now and we'll see you all next time but until then good night everyone